Next, the golden days of radio. This is Frank Brzee inviting you to join me for the golden days of radio. Great moments from radio programs of the past, headlining some of the world's most famous personalities. We are continuing our 50th anniversary salute to Los Angeles radio station KFI. Excerpts from some of the best-remembered sports programs of all time will be presented by our in-person host, Dodgers announcer Vince Scully. Why, everybody, this is Ben Scully, adding my congratulations to KFI on this anniversary. And now, let's play ball. And now you tell me what you do. If you are Walter Austin, do you bring somebody else in? Jeff Torborg, can Boyer go to the mound to talk to Drysdale? The bases are loaded. Nobody out. The batter is Dick Dietz. But down through the years, it just wouldn't be the Giants and the Dodgers if it didn't wind up this way. And now Herman Franks has said one word too many. Herman going after Harry Wendelstadt, Bill Jakowski, trying to be the mediator and get Herman out of there. But Herman is gone officially. Wes Westrom now joins in. Solely, uh, Peanuts Lowry puts a plug of tobacco in his mouth, perhaps to save him from saying something wrong. Now Herman gesticulating, sticking up an elbow. These two teams are incredible. Franks with his hands stuffed in his hip pockets now. They're tired from the waving. And Wendelstadt, Jakowski, along with Sikorian Burkhardt, trying to pour a little oil on the water and calm things down. If Burkhardt had a tough play on the line drive by Boyer, Wendelstadt certainly had just as tough a play on the pitch to the hitter. Bill Jakowski puts his right arm around Frank's waist as if to say, okay, Herman, that's about it. An irate Frank's still has not had enough. He goes back after Wendelstead again. He was 10 feet away from the plate umpire. Now Sikori asks him to leave. Herman, who has just about run out of expletives, goes back to the dugout. Walter Alston wants to talk to the third base umpire, Ken Burkhardt. Burkhardt is gesturing with his right arm, and Walter also wants to talk to Wendelstead. I think what Walter wants to know is, what is the pitch? Did he interfere to make it a strike? Did it hit him? Was it a foul tip or what? Peanuts Lowry comes down and Harry Wendelstedt says, let me look at the ball. So Dick Dietz is back up to the plate. The bases remain loaded. And the count is three and two. So it did not hit the bat. And Dietz is up there with the bases loaded. Nobody out. Three-nothing Dodgers in the ninth. Drysdale into his windup and delivers. Fastball foul back to the screen. 
Dietz whacking at the spikes. Nate Oliver standing at third. Jim Hart at second. Dave Marshall at first. Every member of the Giants on his feet at the base of the steps in the dugout. Every one. The pitch to Dietz is hit foul off first out of play. He lost his bat. He'll have to go and get it. Two brutal calls asked for by the umpires, Kenny Burkhardt and then Harry Wendelstead. And you wonder about how tough it can be to be an umpire. It can be that tough. All right, Dietz back up. Drysdale with the bases loaded into his windup. The pitch to Dietz. A high pop fly into shallow left. Jim Ferry with a good arm is there. Oliver tags. Ferry for the catch. He's not coming. The throw cut off by Boyer. One out. A towering pop fly into shallow left field, and rookie Jim Ferry came in and fired a shot to the plate. Oliver faked as Ken Boyer cut it off. One down, the bases remain loaded. The batter is Ty Klein. That's a great name to come up right out of 1904, Ty. Meanwhile, Versailles and Torborg and Drysdale have a brief meeting at the mound. Here's the announcement on Klein. Ty Klein, left-hand hitter. He's been around, up there with the bases loaded. Drysdale's pitch, a big chopper to Parker. He goes to the plate for a force. Two out in the ninth. can you picture it if you presented this script three days ago the only word would be balderdash and maybe one or two others it's the ninth inning two out the Dodgers lead three to nothing the Giants have loaded the bases with nobody out on what appeared to be a hit batter it was rule ball three that's a rule 608 which meant that Dietz remained at the plate after everybody thought he had been hit to force in a run, and he hit the shallow fly ball to left. Then a ground ball by Klein, and Parker gets a force. Drysdale is one out away from doing it, and the batter is Jackie Hyatt. Don delivers a fastball fouled away. Let me just read one quick note on the Dietz incident. 
If the batter makes no attempt to avoid being touched by a pitch ball, if the ball is in the strike zone when it touches the batter, it'll be called a strike. If the ball is outside the strike zone when it hits the batter, it'll be called a ball. That, in essence, summed up why Dietz remained at the plate and then hit the fly ball to left. So two out, 0-1 to Hyatt. Drysdale from a windup delivers and a high pop fly. He's 60 feet from the record. Parker's got it. So all the tantrums that were attributed to him as a kid turned to cheers tonight as Don Drysdale, on a rather incredible turn of events, gets his string of pearls. 45 pearls on a string, 45 consecutive innings to tie the major league record for five consecutive shutouts held alone until tonight by Guy White of the Chicago White Sox in 1904. He needs another inning and two-thirds to break Carl Hubble's record. But the memorable moment in the game, the ninth inning with Dick Dietz at the plate, and the 2-2 pitch that hit Dietz that appeared to have forced in a run. But Harry Wendelstead ruled, and it's the first time I have ever seen it called. In 19 years, it is the first time I have ever seen that rule invoked, whereby the batter, hit by a pitch outside the strike zone, is ruled not to have made any effort whatsoever to avoid the pitch, and instead actually sticking his arm in the way of the pitch, and instead of being awarded first base, is penalized to the extent of making it ball three but Drysdale still had to come back to get him and did on the little fly ball to Ferry. Then the force play at the plate, and then the high pop fly, and as Parker stood under it, the pillows were sailing out of the upper deck, and as Parker caught it, I think Drysdale has to admit he finally reached the pinnacle of his career. Donald Scott Drysdale in 13 years in the big leagues has finally turned in a super job. He has tied a record that stood alone for 64 years. What an incredible finish. The Giants and the Dodgers, the first game of a three-game series. Ladies and gentlemen, the American Forces Radio and Television Service proudly presents the Retirement 2, yet third. George, you've been in the service for 30 years. Why don't you retire? You could collect up to 75% of your base pay. Yeah, and Social Security, too. But in 30 years, I've lived in the barracks and at home with my wife, too. And believe me, the barracks is better. I didn't think your wife was that ugly. Ugly? She's so ugly that if she were drowning, the lifeguards would only rescue her on a slow day. 
Yeah, but if you retire, you can take life easy. Relax. Live a little. Herbie, when I retire, I'm not going to live a little. I'm going to live a whole big bunch. Financial security, civilian health benefits, job training, and placement. Just a few of the benefits of retirement from the armed forces. Find out about all of them from your personnel officer. Yes, sir. KFI has presented many firsts over this first 50 years. On January 1st, 1927, KFI took their remote equipment to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California, and originated the very first Rose Bowl game to be heard coast to coast. Famous announcer Graham McNamee was Mike's side for this broadcasting event. The mighty Titans of Stanford threw back the charging Southerners, and now it's second down and goal to goal. Stanford is screaming for its team to hold, and how those boys are holding, but Alabama has three more tries if the gun doesn't go off and put an end to their hopes. They're lining up again. Stanford desperately determined to keep the ball from crossing that last white line, and Alabama just as determined to put it over. They're out of the huddle, up to the line. Stands are silent now, and you can hear Barnes calling the signals. 45, 27, 32. The ball's passed. Johnson has it. And he's over. It's a touchdown. Johnson, driving, fighting, smashing, drove through the mighty Stanford wall, and he smashed over for a touchdown. And now the stands are going wild. Later that year, on September 22nd, world heavyweight champion Gene Tunney met the challenger Jack Dempsey in a rematch billed as the Battle of the Ages. They had met a year earlier, and Tunney had taken the title from Dempsey. Now it was Dempsey's turn to get even. 104,942 fans paid over $2.5 million to watch the fight at Soldiers Field in Chicago while another 50 million Americans listen to Graham McNamee. Tony shot a hard left to Dempsey's face, which he follows up with two mean lefts to Dempsey's face. Then he lands a right, and then Dempsey comes back, and, and now, Tony, Tony is down! Tony is down from a barrage of left and right to the jaw and the head. Count is going on, Tony's still down. Dempsey is on the other side of the ring now. Eight, nine, Tony is up! And now they're at it again. And then suddenly Gene did leap into the right and the left as he did so. The bell rang, and it was almost a new champion. Almost, but not quite. Take it away, Phil. Yes, not quite, Graham. Gene Tunney has never been knocked down before, but he certainly hit the canvas this time. But Dempsey made the fatal mistake of standing over Gene when he fell instead of backing to the opposite corner. And several very, very valuable seconds elapsed before Dempsey woke up and moved away and let the count go on. Now see if you recall this famous voice bringing KFI the first broadcast of the Kentucky Derby. The year was 1929. And rounding the far turn, Clyde and is still kicking mud on the 20 youngsters behind him. He leads into the home stretch by two lengths. And the favorite, Blue Larkspur, in the famous Colonel Bradley colors, makes one last challenge, but he can't do it. But look out, on the outside, here comes the California coach, Nishifer. He's coming at Clyde and Dusen. The jockey pony Nakatee shakes his whip, and the son of mighty man of war comes away. Clyde and Dusen. 
And Clem McCarthy covered the first broadcast of the Preakness with the same staccato description. Will Horloway insist on going to the outside, or will he stick to the rail? And here comes the answer, fans. Artero is asking Horloway for speed, and Horloway is fairly shouting to the coach in front of him, Get out of my way. Here I come. And Horloway dashes through on the inside. He's fifth. He's second. He turns for home in the lead, runs on away, and Horloway wins the Preakness by six lines. One of the great sportscasters for over 30 years left us all too soon. Bill Stern was heard on KFI. And now over to Bill Stern, standing by at the Madison Square Garden International Track Meet where the mile run has just got underway. He's gone back into the lead. Glenn Cunningham in first place with three quarters of a lap to go. Penske is coming up to challenge. Still Cunningham out in front by a yard over Fenske. Here comes San Romani making his bid. It's Cunningham coming off the turn. Cunningham in first place, Fenske in second place, San Romani in third place, but San Romani's being nosed out. Cunningham wins the race. Fenske is in second. During those early years, contests were also the craze. There was Charlie Lyon with his singing mouse contest, Swiss yodeling, speaking parrot. And if you had tuned into KFI on a sunny afternoon in May 1939, you would have heard this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the feature attraction, the first national crocheting speed contest ever held. Presenting your stitch-by-stitch -stitch reporters, Chain Stitch, Bill Stern. And double crochet... Okay, Harry Ballow introduced us, so here we go. And now I can see a lady over there who just led with a left drop stitch, and now she's crossing over two hard pearls to the jaw. And somebody's got to go down. Why, I've never seen such excitement here among so many ladies in my life on all sides. No, you say, Bill, this is not boxing? No, this isn't boxing, Cam. Crocheting, crocheting, you know, needles. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, yes, that, those sounds of quiet a while ago. We're on, the, uh, we're on the 12th green now, and we're just about to pearl. Very silent people. Oh, hey, not golf. Crocheting, crocheting. Oh, well, I'll find out what this is all about before I get through. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Hemstitch McCarthy just giving you a blow-by-blow -blow description of this crocheting contest, the first of its kind held over the networks of the National Broadcasting Company. I think first I ought to explain just about what crocheting is. Crocheting is a double-stitch single thread over the under needle by a skip space needle thrust diagonally through the pico half double block used to increase the equitu se fui, which is Latin for the overhand crawl used by some in preference to the cumbersome old-fashioned methods of jerking the chain to the increased loops formed by the inverse threads of the triple space often seen in North Dakota. In case you're wondering, that excerpt was authentic. A few weeks later... The count is five, five, six, seven... Eight, the men are in the ring. The fight is over on a technical knockout. Max Schmeling is beaten in one round. The first time that a world's heavyweight championship ever changed hands in one round. Ed Ferguson, I want you to have a chance on this broadcast. Everything will shut you out. Get in here and describe that scene. I am going up to the ring to get the winner, Ed. Everybody has been taken by surprise here. The ring is all uh, this uh, bewilderment all around. And here is Clem McCarthy. He said it would take you two rounds. You know how long it took you? No, I don't uh, exactly. I imagine about a minute and a half. Well, that's fine. Well, I won't be getting mad for less than a round. Joe, which punch, if any, do you think was the one that started him downhill? I think the right hand to the ribs. Right hand to the ribs. Yeah. I saw it going in there, Joe, and yeah. she looked terrible. Congratulations. I would have never been no more good if Joe hadn't got this second turn with, with Smelling. 
That was Jack Blackburn, the man who has made Joe Lewis the champion of the world. Max, come over here. Bring him over. Max. Max. He came to very quickly, but he was a badly beaten man. And it was all Lewis. And here is the distinction of the world's fastest broadcast on a fight. This was faster than Joe Lewis and Charlie Retzlaff. And now I turn you back to Ed Ferguson because he's had a great chance. Well, it's all over, but the congratulations. We return you now to the NBC studios. It hasn't all been baseball, boxing, football, and horse racing. The record of firsts heard on KFI included tennis, yacht racing, auto, canoe, basketball, Olympics, and track, and even frog jumping races. KFI and NBC presented the weekend program Monitor, which breathed vigor into many more sports activities like this. The Masters Tournament has reached the big moment. Lindsay Nelson's on the scene for Monitor, so let's go there. Hello, everybody. This is Lindsay Nelson speaking from the Augusta National Golf Club in Augusta, Georgia. Dr. Kerry Middlecoff will be playing up to 18 here. If he gets his par four on 18, he will be in with a 71, one under par, a 280, and he will be the winner of the Masters Tournament. Middlecoff shot up now as they race across the fairway, and he's up onto the green, right to the pin, and almost made it. Of course, Monitor has had its share of firsts, and this one, with Gene Rayburn, was broadcast right here on KFI. Now, a Monitor Sports Special. Another report on the $100,000 All-Star Bowling Tournament. Here's Sam Levine at Convention Hall, Philadelphia. Well, I guess we're having a little problem down there with the storm or something. We can't get a hold of Sam Levine. And is he there now? Okay, Sam, go. All in Philadelphia for Monitor Sports. That's it. We are still going to try and get Sam Levine. I'm trying to figure out what's going on here. Fellas, are we going to try and get... Okay, all right. When I say go, you the next voice you hear will be that of Sam Levine. Since we... Well... You can't win them all, friends. We tried to get Sam Levine, and things, the gremlins or the poltergeists or something got in the way, and they missed it. Yeah. Sam, are you there? Not yet? Okay, a little music. I'm on the phone. Tell them we're ready. What's your phone number? Yes, KFI has had many sports firsts. That last bit notwithstanding. This is Vin Scully, voicing anniversary greetings for myself and the Los Angeles Dodgers. That wraps up this edition of the Golden Days of Radio. This is Frank Brzee in Hollywood, California, inviting you to join me next week for more shows and personalities from Radio's Golden Days. This is the American Forces Radio and Television Service.